Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome ID Enang. This is Navigate with ID Enang. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with ID. It's such an honor and privilege to be here. And more importantly, sharing and learning from you. Let me start by thanking Almighty God for the gift of life and thanking you for your numerous feedback. You don't know what that does to me. It kind of um, raises the bar, puts a lot more challenge on me. And more importantly, it inspires me to continue doing what I'm doing because I tell you, it is not cheap steaks. Trust me. For you to come in week in, week out, and be able to you know, pour out concepts, let people see a direction, and also glean from what they have to share with you, and answer a few mails that are very personal on the trajectory of making it in life and all of that can be a bit consuming. But when you get feedback that it is actually working for some, and then it kind of inspires you to do a lot more. So thank you so much for your feedback. And for those that may not necessarily know how to do same, you can reach out via email to contact at navigatewithid.com or better still, I'll implore you to please follow me on my social media handles, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You could also get on LinkedIn. The handle is simply at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. As simple as it comes, and your response will definitely come through, and we can judge you. Friends, it's a new month, and it's a new season. And I want to thank you for sticking on and to making this possible. Possible in the sense that you're able to give that necessary Philip, as I said earlier. And I also want, by extension, um, to reference the fact that you know having to take on some literature having to utilize different kinds of literature um to make this happen i'd kindly and most respectfully say thank you to jay shim and these are all phd holders joel siegel abraham simon who have written fantastic books on the mba and without any further ado I'll have Josh Kaufman, the main man. This time around, I'm going to take on a subject that may run for the rest of the month. And the reason why I've elected to take this particular topic or subject is because a lot of people talk about it. A lot of people express themselves in it. But do you really understand the underlining elements? So I'm going to join Josh in walking through using his piece of literature to teach on the subject. And hopefully, as you have questions and you need some further clarification, you can touch base with me on any of the platforms I had enumerated previously. Today, and going forward for this month, hopefully, we are going to start within the context of value creation. What did I say? Value creation. Those are two words that you hear all the time, especially the word value. 
you hear people say in every regard, you need to add value and value. Value comes and value continues to stick in us. But we're going to look at this within the context of business. And I welcome you to your business school on radio. That's what we have now. We are focusing on building successful business people and also productively driving successful businesses. At a time like this, when things need are looking a bit, you know, muffled, a bit gory due to the tough, challenging environment, uh, the prices of commodities are skyrocketing by reason of so many factors. People are wondering, what exactly do we do to make it happen? I had the privilege of uh, training and providing some perspective with some uh, clients the other day. I think it was yesterday, actually. And we're talking about practical lessons and how they can get out of the storm. And they're so concerned. These are big-ticket, uh, fast-moving consumer good companies where they are struggling because everything seems to be crashing. But I want you to understand that your best times are when there's a crisis. Crisis will bring out the best in you, so don't crumble. And so as we go through this beautiful topic of value creation, I want you to underline and take each of the concepts very carefully, study them, apply them to your daily routine and work, and surely you'll find something good at the end of the day. Let's start by saying that every successful business creates something of value. The world is truly full of opportunities to make other people's lives better in some way. And you, as that business executive or person, is to identify the things that people don't have enough of. Then your job is to provide them. That's a very simple way of saying you're going to add value. The value you create can take on several forms. But one thing I want you to understand is that the purpose is always the same. To make someone else's life a little bit better, it is something that we must strive to attain. So without value creation, a business can't exist. I mean, if you do not add something to another thing, you cannot claim, you can't make a claim. You cannot even transact with others unless you have something valuable to trade with. So the limit you can go is as far as you can create. So if you cannot create beyond your capabilities, then you can't talk about value creation. I mean, it's interesting, but I want you to note that the best businesses in the world are the ones that actually create the most value for other people. Some businesses actually thrive by providing a little value to many. And others focus on providing a lot of value to only a few people. Some of those can be in that sphere of luxury. Regardless, the more real value you create for other people, the better your business will be and the more prosperous you will become. So, according to uh, what Hoshman roughly defined, a business is a repeatable or repeatable process that one, creates and delivers something of value, two, other people want or need, three, 
at the price they are willing to pay. And I need to really speak to this because many times I hear people talk about affordability. Whenever I hear the word affordability, my brain goes gaga. I don't have you speak about affordability, but I can have you as a business person asking yourself the question, can my customer buy my product? And what that means is, is there a willingness to pay? There is a difference between the willingness to pay and the ability to pay. So both will swing in either direction or towards a common goal. And all of that is predicated on a repeatable process that satisfies the customer's needs and expectations. And finally, it is something that the business brings in enough profit to make it worthwhile for the owners to continue operation. So if you look at those five salient dimensions, it then tells you what a business is all about. Now, it doesn't matter if you're running a small business, a medium-sized business, a solo venture, or a billion naira brand. Any of these five factors I just mentioned, if you take anyone away, you don't have a business. You don't have a business if you don't create and deliver something of value. You don't have a business if other people don't want or need it. You don't have a business if people are not willing to pay a price for it. And you don't have a business if it doesn't satisfy the needs and expectations of people. Finally, if your business does not bring in enough profit to make it what someone's while, forget it. You're going to discontinue operation. So without this five, you can't say that you're in the business. You basically have to have you basically have to put something in place. And such a venture that creates value for others can also be a hobby. Now, some people believe also that a venture that doesn't create value for others is a hobby. But I can tell you also that you can actually create value from your hobby. And a venture that doesn't attract attention can be a flop. A venture that doesn't sell the value it creates, it's a non-profit. That's why you have not-for-profit. A venture that doesn't deliver what it promises is a scam. We have a lot of that nowadays. You have a lot of people on Instagram doing businesses, and they come up, put up all manner of videos, and then you buy, they tell you, pay, and will deliver, and they never deliver, or if they have to deliver, there's something that is not what you ordered, and the next time you try to get them to change whatever you had bought, they come fighting. And because you want to be that quiet person, you don't want to call them out, you go quiet. And for them, if they are able to scam five people a week, then they are in business. That's a venture that doesn't deliver what it promises. That's a scam. And I want you all to know that if you have scammers around, you need to bring them out. You need to call them out. That way you're securing the next person from going through that process. Don't wait till one person boldly comes out to call the person before you talk about what we went through three years ago, two years ago, a year ago. That individual or that venture would have scammed so many and yours would just look like child's play. 
A venture that doesn't bring in enough money to keep operations will inevitably close or shut down. Friends, at the very core of this is what we call business. And this is a fundamental aspect. It is a collection of five interdependencies. And these are things that we are going to discuss at some point in time. And every single one of them flows into the next. It is practically something you may call the parts of every business. The first one, value creation, is about discovering what people need or want, then creating it. The second, according to George, is marketing, attracting attention and building demand for what you've created. The third is sales. It's turning prospective customers into paying customers, that's sales. The fourth is value delivery, giving your customers what you have promised and ensuring that they are satisfied. And the fifth one is what you and I love to have as business people, finance. Bringing in enough money to keep going and to make all your efforts worth the while. So if these five things sound simple and they are not in space and they are not around, then you probably don't have a business. But remember what I said, I said they are interdependent because one flows into the other. You can't talk about marketing without sales. You can't talk about sales without ultimate value delivery. You can't talk about value delivery without talking about finance. And it all starts from the notion of value creation. So it's very important that every business aficionado, every single um, aspirational businessman or woman understands the fundamentals. So every time you're hearing words like value creation, value add, added value, understand that it is not a walk in the park. Business is not and has never been rocket science. It is simply a process of identifying a problem and finding a way to solve it that benefits both parties and you need to have a win-win to one, a profit, to the other, satisfaction of the subject or satisfaction gained from the entity or the item. Anyone, absolutely anyone, who tries to make business sound more complicated than this is either trying to impress you or trying to sell you something you don't need. Then you know that that person is on the road to scamming you. Like I tell people, and I'm a very proud marketer, marketing is business and business is marketing. So if I have to define business as a process of identifying a problem and finding a way to solve it in a way that benefits both parties, then you can you know, substitute that and call marketing. The fundamental definition of marketing is actually identifying a need fulfilling that need at a profit. And in doing that, the entire chain is oiled. So if you look at the five interdependencies I talked about, they are the basis for every good business idea. And if you may, a business plan. If you can clearly define each of these five processes 
for any business you want to get into, you will have a complete understanding of how it works. If you are thinking about starting a new business, because I know lots of people currently are looking for ways in which they can, even if they have a nine to five, or they have a day job, they're looking for that extra. And the extra there is to situate some multiple streams of income. And so they want to start a business. But if you don't start from the very ultimate part of fulfilling a need or identifying that there's a challenge or a problem somewhere and then sitting in the space of fulfilling and solving that problem, you are a non-starter. Whilst attempting to solve that problem, you need to create value. So if you're thinking about starting a new business, defining what these processes might look like is the very first place you need to start. If you cannot describe or diagram your business idea in terms of this big five, you don't understand it well enough to make it work. So don't even start. And that's why if you look at every single opportunity, every single business that is doing well, they're always using the terms value creation, marketing, sales, value delivery, and finance. Now, in some regards, you can take sales and marketing as commercial, whichever space that you want this, underpinning each of these is the people factor. You absolutely need the people factor. And so when the people factor comes to play, you will then understand that it's important to have valuable skills. So if you want to improve your value as a business person, then you need to focus on improving skills that are directly related to what? Those five interdependencies. Not every skill or area of knowledge is economically valuable. And that's okay. There are things that are worth pursuing for the sake of relaxation or enjoyment. I mean, you can take up a hobby. You may enjoy trekking. You may enjoy walking. You may enjoy snookering. But it's very unlikely anyone will pay you to work for them. And then just taking a walk, unless you do something differently by setting up a little space where you're checking out and asking people to come and work for a charity or we want people to work and donate for a course. So course marketing may actually become economically valuable. I didn't say economically viable. I said economically valuable. So if you have that at the back of your mind, you then understand that there are some skills that you acquire or area or knowledge that will be okay and worth pursuing for the sake of relaxation and not for commercialization. So making that transition from personal enjoyment to products and services, you will find yourself getting paid, but you need to have the requisite skill. And there are many adventurous souls out there who are willing to pay you for that service. And they may even want to go the extra mile. 
And that extra mile is to ask you to play the role of a guide because many of them may be interested in the idea that you have in the kitty. So in a nutshell, any skill or knowledge that helps you create value, that allows you to market, that allows you to sell, deliver value, or manage your finances is economically valuable. Accordingly, you will then find a space where it is meeting the very core of your existence as a human being. Without much ado, I would like to start looking at several things under the cause of value creation. You know, there are several people that are probably going through a process in their heads and their minds, and they don't really know how to evaluate a market. They don't know how to sniff out an opportunity. They don't even understand how to evaluate a market. So permit me as I take some footage from Kaufman to share with you the thoughts around 10 ways to evaluate a market. This is a teaching program and it's a business school. So you must be ready to have your pen and parchment to take some of the notes. If you're thinking of starting a new business, or expanding an existing business into a new market. It is absolutely critical that you do some research before you leap. In some regard, it could be a recce, but you must do some research before you take that leap. And obviously, as I go through these 10 ways to evaluate a market, I'll try to give you a back of the napkin method that you can identify the attractiveness of any potential market. What I want you to do is rate each of the 10 factors that I will speak to on a scale of zero to 10, where zero is extremely unattractive and 10 is extremely attractive. When you get in doubt, be conservative in your estimate. So as I go through each of these points, I want you to have your pen and parchment and then take each one and go through the motions. But I'll not start right away. I'll take a break. And when we come back from this break, because we need to pay some bills, we will then take each element and then you can rate each of the 10 factors I will enumerate for you. And remember, it's going to be on a scale of 0 to 10. Don't go away, friends. We'll be right back. It's Navigate with IDNF. Don't go away. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back from the break. And if you're just joining us, I bid you a very warm welcome. It's Navigate with ID, and this is your business school on radio. We've just um, opened a new vista of learning, and it's centered around value creation. Coming through from that aspect, I'm just about to walk into a way or the 10 ways to evaluate a market. And this is specifically targeted at those who are thinking of starting a new business or expanding an existing business into a new market. What they need to do 
is to take some form of research. Now, what I'm about to share with you is a simple back of the envelope method. It's not the, the one that takes you to this high Falunti mountain and say, oh, this must happen. This enables some thinking and some God feel. So if you have your pen and your parchment with you, here's what we need to do. You need to rate each of the 10 factors I will be enumerating, and you need to scale it from zero to 10, where zero is extremely unattractive and 10 is extremely attractive. That's more or less the polarization. And when you're in doubt, be conservative in your estimate. Give yourself what you feel is the right score. All right, let's go. Number one, the first way to evaluate a market is the word urgency. Urgency. And the question is, how badly do people want or need this right now? So basically speaking to the fact that this particular need, how badly do people want or need it right now? Number two, the market size. And when you talk about the market size, you're looking at the purchase intent. And the question that will stare you right in the face is how many people are actively purchasing things like this? And what that tells you is that the market for a certain item may be looking so small, while the market for another item could be massive. The size of the market determines the mode of entry. And you need to do some extrapolation based on your desk research or physical search or research. Number three is the pricing potential. And by that, I mean, what is the highest price a typical purchaser would be willing to spend for that particular solution? Remember I said it's the balance between willingness to pay and ability to pay. So your pricing potential, and that in itself will tell you how much willing, how much people are willing to part with for that particular item. Number four, the cost of customer acquisition. This is huge. How easy is it to acquire a new customer? Well, on the average, you'll ask yourself, how much will it cost to generate a sale in both money and effort. Do you know that restaurants that are built on highways spend little to bring in new customers? If you doubt it, go take one of the luxury buses and go all the way to the east. You'll get to Benin or Umunede and you'll have a lot of food stalls all back to back, side by side. They do nothing called adverts. They do nothing to pull you in. All the troopers that are dropping off will walk in because they are hungry. They've probably been in traffic, have been on the road for five, six, seven, eight hours. So it's important that you understand the cost of customer acquisition. Number five, the cost of value delivery. How much would it cost to create and deliver the value offered? In some other context, I would give you the term cost to serve. So your cost of value delivery can also be termed as your CTS, cost to serve. How much would it cost to create and deliver the value offered, both 
both in money and effort. Now, if you take this from a little flimsy dimension, using the internet to send your mails could be almost free. But then, if you try to invent a product and build a factory, it will cost you millions. So it's almost saying to yourself, what is the cost to serve and the cost of value delivery? That is a unique form in its own right. Number six, uniqueness of offer. How unique is your offer versus competing offerings in the market? And how easy is it for potential competitors to copy you? Now, this is very critical. If your offer is not unique, then you know that people may not look at you. But if your offer is unique and you are in a society like ours, then you know people will try to clone it. Either way, whether it's very unique or non-unique, cloning would happen if it is very unique and it's able to beat the competition. But if it is not, nobody's going to touch you or touch the product. It will almost have the sign of a leper. Number seven, speed to market. How quickly can you create something to sell? Very many companies and brands have a challenge here. Speed to market is very key. Number eight, upfront investment. And this is saying investing ahead of demand. That's another way I could put it. How much will you have to invest before you're ready to sell? Number nine, the upsell potential. Upsell potential. Are there related secondary offers that you could also present to purchasing customers? So, for example, if there are customers who purchase razors and they need shaving cream and extra blades as well, that's something that you can term as an upsell potential. And you won't need another until you lose it. So, you would see that there's an opportunity for you not just to sell your shaving cream, but you can also look through having razors and extra blades as well. So it's called the upsell opportunity. How much upsell potential does this business of yours have? And finally, and the 10th one is evergreen potential. Once the initial offer has been created, how much additional work will you have to put in in order to continue selling. Friends, it is very disheartening when someone just starts a project and after you've done all of that, it bumps. And so this back of the envelope, 10, way, 10 ways of evaluating the market is just something for you to consider as a starter if you're just, you know, you want to glean into some form of business. Now, when you're done with this assessment and you add up the score, if the score is 50 or below, just move on to another idea. There are better places to invest your energy and resources. There are many of you, and indeed, very many people out there who do not even take on any evaluation, just jump in. Oh, my friend says he's making a lot of money. Oh, my auntie says this is good business. You jump in. The same way you've jumped in, you jump out. In some cases, some jump in 
and they never get out. That's suicidal. If the score is 75 or above, remember, we're looking at 10 factors and your scoring is between 0 to 10. If the total score is 75 or above, you have a promising idea. What you need to do is to go full throttle. Now, anything between 50 and 75 has the potential to pay some bills, but would not take you on the long run. Like they typically would say, it wouldn't be a home run without a huge investment of energy and resources. So, your call. It's your call to make. It's your place to understand what you need to do very differently. Many times, a lot of people make this big error of getting sentimental about business. Friends, don't get sentimental. I mean, to the point that you need to be a bit shrewd and hard on yourself. Otherwise, you're just going to burn your Naira or your dollars, whatever currency. Burn it. And remember, I taught you about some costs. It will so sink that when you look back, you look at yourself and say, how did I get here? How was I so foolish? Well, yesterday ended last night. Morning tells the day. So, buyer beware. Caveat temptor. Be careful. I'll tell you straight up that one of the most common experiences of a first-time entrepreneur is discovering that your brilliant business idea isn't as original as you are thought. Other businesses are already offering similar products, services, and engagements. Now, this will shake anyone's confidence. After all, why bother when someone else is doing what you're doing? But remember, we're talking about value creation. And this is where I need you to cheer up because there are always hidden benefits of competition. When any two markets are equally attractive in other respects, you are better off choosing to enter the one with competition. What I'm saying in essence is that if you have two markets and one has competition and the other doesn't, don't go to the one without competition because the one with the competition will give you a more respectable attraction and opportunity to succeed. Why? It means you know from the start that there is a market of paying customers for your idea, eliminating any tag of a risk. So in a market that nobody is going there, it could be that nobody has ever made it. So if you get in there, you don't want to be the one that people are saying, hey, how did you get here, my friend? So the existence of a market means you are already on the right side of the iron law of the market, which is the customers on that side. The consumers are there. So you can spend a lot more time developing your offer, putting in a lot more intricacies, putting in a lot more sweet things, putting in a lot of incentives, making it look so juicy instead of proving that a market exists. Many times, a lot of you try to prove that there's a market for a particular product. Who are you trying to impress? Why are you expending your resources to prove that a market exists? 
If it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. There were others before you. They would have tried and they got burnt. So why do you want to be a hero and then come out with a zero? If there are successful businesses serving a market, you don't have to worry so much about investing in a dead end since you already know what people are buying and they are also buying. And so the best thing for you to do is to observe what your potential competitors are doing to become so successful. But then the way you can snuggle in is to become a customer. You can become a customer of your competitor. I know I'm teaching you some hidden benefits of competition. Yeah, go in there. Buy as much as you can of what they offer. Observe your competition from the inside. That way it can teach you an enormous amount about the market. What value the competitor provides, how they attract attention, what they charge, how they close sales, how they make customers happy, how they deal with issues and what needs they aren't yet serving. So it's very important that you understand what you need to do if you want the hidden benefit of competition. I was talking to a client of mine a few days back and we're having a strat session on a seeming dimension they want to take a position in the market. And so I remembered one of the heydays when I was at the Coca-Cola company. I was country marketing manager then in Kenya, Nairobi, or Nairobi, Kenya, as it were. That's what it's, it should be. I said to my client that, so I launched a particular product then as a country manager, and I took it to a particular bottler territory. There were eight bottlers then in Kenya, and I took it to a particular uh, bottler's territory. You know, we had all bottlers launch, but it was really struggling in one particular territory. And so I went to the GM of that particular plant. And this was in Meru. I think it was Meru, yeah? Uh, if I remember, this was Bonakabiru. And I went to him and I said, we need to do something different. Of course, at that time, there was no competition. But the competition there was really coming from the locals. I mean, there's some local drinks. And the fact that from a weather standpoint, it's one country with due respect where you have people don't drink hot or warm water. You see men going to a restaurant or a bar and say, give me some hot water. And you wonder, or they ask for a very warm beer. That's what you get if you go to Kenya. Warm beer or hot beer. That's where I've, I found for the first time it was kind of bizarre that they don't take cold stuff. And so when you see someone say to you, um, Baridi, Baridi means cold in Swahili. And so I looked at the market and I said, Wow. Now, what am I fighting against in this territory? These guys don't want something cold. Having a, an ice cold rendition of this product wasn't the best way out. So what I did was to recruit some merchandisers and I put the merchandisers in. We went into the market and I asked each of them to go to each of the retailers and ask for that particular product. Now, the retailers had in some ways said they didn't want to buy. But by the time I lined up about 15 merchandisers to go there at different times, they all, by the time the salesman made the call, 
or at different periods going back to them, they started asking for the products to say, this product of yours, we thought it was just going to be so cold. You can give me, I need some, give me one case, let me try. Now, because we had some prior knowledge or insights that people didn't actually want it served cold, it was easier to sell in the products now in a very warm format. That is, just give it to them and they will sell it as it was. So they didn't want it with ice or they didn't want it with coolers, etc. You'd be surprised that as a limited time offer, we succeeded. It comes to speak to the fact that you can make yourself a potential customer and go through the rungs of understanding what value that the trade or the customer or the competition is doing and what the consumer or customer needs are and that which you are not serving. So as a paying customer, you get to observe what works and what doesn't before you actually commit to a particular strategy. So many people don't even walk the turf of taking advantage of the hidden benefits of competition. So here's what I'm going to say to you, my friends. Learn everything you can from your competition and then create something even more valuable. And then you begin to ask yourself, so this is something I can benefit from. Yes, you can. So take this from me. It's a tip. If you want to go into a line of business, you can start by being a customer first. Be a customer of one of the players. Get to understand what they offer, how they offer, the issues they get into. It will teach you an enormous amount about the market. It will tell you about the value that the competitor provides. It will tell you how they attract attention. It will tell you how they charge. It will tell you how they close their sales. It can tell you well, how they make their customers happy. At the end, you can then sit down and say to yourself, I am ready. I am not ready. I can't deal with this. So I'm going to give it a break or a rethink. What you need is to understand what I call the mercenary rule. And a quote by Henry Fielding, he says, and I quote, make money your God and it will plague you like the devil. So it is not in your best interest to make money your God. It will plague you like the devil. This is why. Becoming a mercenary doesn't pay. Don't start a business for the money alone. So many of you are starting businesses because of money. No. This is why you should not. Starting and running a business always takes more effort than you at first expect. Even if you identify a business that will largely run itself, setting up the systems necessary to run the business requires a lot of persistence and dedication. If the only thing that interests you about an opportunity is the money, you will probably hit the wall or quit or go under well before you find the pot of gold at the bottom of the pit or the landfill. You must pay very close attention to the things you find yourself coming back to over and over again. When you build or finish anything, 
it is mostly a matter of starting over and over again. Don't ignore what pulls you. The trick is to find an attractive market that interests you enough to keep you improving your offering every single day. And the gods of the business come from the field. They come from the marketplace. They come from interaction with your customers, with your consumers, with the trade, with everybody that is in the chain. Finding that market is mostly a matter of patience and active exploration. One thing I'll say to you, even after all of that, is don't ignore boring businesses until you investigate them. Investigate before you invest. If you can find some aspect of the work that interests you and keeps you engaged, mundane markets can be quite attractive. Now, remember Gaddafi that would say shit business is good business. Pardon my French. But this man was able to install, he saw the opportunity, Nigerians, particularly Lagosians and people in the Southwest like partying and not very many nice places, conveniences are available. And so he built all of those public plastic latrines that are takeawayable. And all they need is a parcel of land where he puts in the septic tank, goes straight, they dig it into the ground, and he provides on-time service. And then the man turns around and gives you a tagline that says, shit business is good business. You will consider that dirty business. So dirty businesses like that, like plumbing, like garbage collection, certainly are not sexy. But they can be quite lucrative because there's a significant ongoing need combined with relatively few people willing to step up and to meet the demand. If you doubt it, go and ask, so why would people almost want to kill to pick up waste in Lagos State? Waste is huge. Waste is money. Because people generate waste every day. And in order to keep the environment clean, someone has to do the dirty job. Are you ready to roll your sleeves to do the dirty job? The answer is no. I remember my son would say, Enyama. Many of us say Enyama to this dirty business. But trust me, garbage collection can't and won't be sexy to many. But the money can be so lucrative. And so, my friends, if you find a way to make a necessary but dull market interesting enough to pursue, you may have discovered a hidden pot of gold waiting to be mined. Remember, we are talking about value creation, and I said to you that you must always sit on the pedestal of doing something new and extra. So if you move from what I call the mercenary rule to what I would term the crusader rule, being a crusader doesn't pay either. 
every once in a while, you'll need to find an idea so fascinating, it becomes hard to think about it objectively. When you look at the stars aligning, the heavenly trumpets blaring, and suddenly you have the unmistakable impression that you found your calling. Have you been there before? Have you been there where you just find, whoa, this is the place for me? You get all excited. It is so easy to forget that there's often a huge difference between an interesting idea and a solid business. In your optimism and excitement, forget ye not prudence. Changing the world is difficult if you can't pay the bills. Some ideas don't have enough of a market behind them to support a business, and that's okay. I mean, it's not every idea that has enough to support it. That doesn't mean you should ignore them. It just means that you can make it a side dish. Side projects can help you expand your knowledge. It can help you improve your skills. It can help you experiment with new methods and technologies and techniques. I am a huge fan and advocate of pursuing side projects because there are little things that you would just take as a hobby as long as you don't count on them to reliably produce income. Once you have your financial basis covered, crusade all you want. But friends, before attempting to launch a business, take the time to do a thorough evaluation. Well, friends, we'll be back on Tuesday as we continue on this value creation spree. I hope you find this useful. It's time to sign out on this edition of our business school on radio. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to sharing with you on Tuesday by God's grace. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.